All in My Shots is live, and on this week's episode, we are joined by our first ever fan of the week. We'll also be breaking down all the latest news in baseball, football, hockey, the MMA, you name it, we got it. And I'm also excited to announce that from here on out, Calling My Shots will be posting weekly podcasts. Yes, I know we have been the worst about it so far, but stay tuned. Every Friday will be our posting date going forward. With that being said, roll the intro. Making their way to the ring, the reigning, defending podcast champs, calling my shots. There's only one way you can take this, and it's in that ring. Who wants to go toe-to-toe with the champs? We are joined by the first ever fan of the week, probably the biggest Boston douchebag I've ever met in my life. Second. Second Second behind Cliff. So we'll see how this episode turns out now that I'm joined with two uh, Boston dick riders. How does it feel to be the first ever Calling My Shots fan of the week? You know, I wish I could say that it's an honor, but, you know, speaking to you two is no honor whatsoever. So I'll just go with saying that it's a kind of honor at the most. Kind of honor. That's pretty disrespectful, but yeah, it's, I it's will very, allow it. It's it's very disrespectful, but you know maybe maybe he'll actually fit in somewhat with the show. You know we were a little bit worried about it, so looks like he might be able to hold his own after all. It, it's possible. I mean, he does suffer from severe obesity, but listen, it's not severe. We've got it under control. Um, I wanted to come in hot and defend myself on the comments that I heard last week. Uh, seemed to be a little bit of slander going on, which I was unable to defend. If anything, I'm glad I'm here to defend myself. It's called tough love, son. Tough love. The only tough thing is just listening to you idiots ramble and not being able to butt in. So I'm just glad I have the opportunity to do so. So it sounds like uh, you're pretty happy to be on this episode. Yeah, he's he's secretly very honored. It sounds like he contradicted himself. <laughs> Already contradicting himself. We spin tires and get them warm. I'm ready to head on down the track. For how big that, that head you you have. Not not much in there, is it? Knock, knock. Anyone home? Anyway, we're actually, we're going to let our friend Nelson stay on for the entire episode. So he's going to chime in where necessary. We're going to see, you know, what sports knowledge he has, what all he brings to the table. And we're going to continue on with our standardized format. Because, you know, we're now becoming more and more professional every day posting podcasts every Friday. Nelson, the first question I wanted to ask you is, how did you manage your free time with the lapse of sports that we had? It was a tough thing for me to try to try to do myself. I'm just curious to see you know, how you managed. So without sports, I found myself having a little bit of a hole in my life, one could say. Uh, you know, similar to you guys, I grew up just dying for sports. That's all I could think about, all I could talk about. So not having that in my life was tough. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to get too deep here, but I, I seem to have filled it with alcohol for the most part. Uh, so, you know, we tone that back a little bit now that we got sports back by only drinking when there's sports on. But unfortunately, there seems which is, to be Which is every on. day now, actually, with how many leagues have restarted. Yeah, so basically, I just drank and I'm still drinking, but I'm fucking glad sports are back. But now you have more of a reason to. Exactly. Well, they say sports is the Viagra for the brain. (laughs) It's the Viagra for everything, if you ask me. I mean, nothing just gets me back into the mood of let's go, like having sports back. So it's it's overall Viagra. Yeah, and pretty much every league is back, which is nice. You know, it almost made up for the missed time that we had. Not quite, but it, it almost did. No, it didn't. That's ridiculous. A ridiculous thing to say. Absolutely not. You got the NHL playoffs, for example, now with 24 teams. How exciting has that been? It was Plus, extremely exciting to see the Montreal Canadiens uh, take a dump on Sidney Crosby. <laughs> Uh-oh. Price stood on his head that entire Carry Big Dick Price. I did underestimate him. He had a, a lot of time to focus and, you know, spend some time training. Ooh. I don't know what he did up in Montreal to get his head right, but he clearly looked like a completely different goaltender when he came back. And 
I will say the Penguins looked very unmotivated to win. Well, I'm pretty, actually pretty upset about it. Watching the series, Carey Price instilled fear. That's what he did. If you look at the last game. And we have Jack Johnson on our defense. When you looked at the last game, Pittsburgh didn't want to be there. They were beat mentally and physically. Yeah, well, Jim, our GM, Jim Rutherford, came out and said, like, I don't know what happened. Single-handedly by Mr. Price. Yeah, the lack of effort is very concerning. You know, I was hoping that we would win the Alex Laferriere sweepstakes, but we didn't. You know, it would have been some great Pittsburgh luck, considering we we drafted Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby. So I was hoping the next one would be Alex Laferriere. But just got to deal with it. Going to the Rangers now. <laughs> and there's some good news behind that, Dalton. I mean, the good news is he's going to a broken organization like the Rangers. So they'll never really pan out. They're them. actually they're actually getting better. Their first line was Zabinajad and now Artemi Panarin and him. If they play, I mean, they could be they could be pretty solid and pretty good for a long time. The only thing is both Panarin and Lafayette both play right wing. So one's going to have to learn how to play the left, but. So here's the thing. Sidney Crosby had his Malkin. Alexander Ovechkin had his Holtby. Everyone's got a teammate that'll carry him. I don't think the Rangers have that teammate right now. I would agree. Yeah. Very, very wise words. They have pretty, they have good young goaltending though. You could say that about a lot of teams in the NHL right now, but I just don't see it. That's true. So we're already getting a little bit off topic, but that's okay. Nelson, just want to check in, you know, since you are a diehard Boston douchebag. What's going on in the uh, Boston sports world? So it's a pretty depressing time. Uh, I don't know if any of the listeners can hear. I do a little twang in my dialect. It's because I I am a little far removed from Boston, but I still am bleeding all different colors of our city, the city of champions. But a little status report, the city of champions seems to be going back to a little. This is the same guy who thought Adam Vinatieri pitched for the Boston Red Sox. As a matter of fact, he did. In a previous lifetime, he might have. <laughs> but it is, it's a tough time for him, you know, uh, with Sir Thomas Brady leaving town with that poor, poor young fellow, Robert Gronkowski, you know, putting their tails between their legs and just getting out of Boston because they were scared that things were coming to a close instead of manning up and riding it out. I didn't appreciate that personally, but, you know, I'm not salty about it anymore. Why? They got paid. You don't think Brady deserved to get paid? I love Tom Brady, but no, he deserved to get paid. Yeah, Bill Belichick wants to win a Super Bowl without Brady. I think that's really what it all comes down to. Legacy, absolutely. Well, he wanted Jimmy G, and I think the Patriots would have been better off had they kept him. Yeah, but does this year even count for a legacy with Brady or Belichick with the circumstances? It still counts. It's going to be argumentative, though. We'll see. We'll see how many players sit out, but it'll still count. Eh. If anything, this year counts more. For Belichick, it does because of the adversity he's going to have to face. Brady, on the other hand, if he takes a dump, it's going to be it's going to go Belichick's favor. There is high expectations on that franchise to perform now with Gronk being there and all the offensive weapons that they have. You can't argue against that. I mean, it's a stout receiving core that Brady's got to throw to. He he's got himself an incredible tight end squad to uh, fall back on should he need to, because we all know Tom Brady loves to do that. So I can see it panning out well. I just am maybe a little bit salty still that he's not wearing the uh, blue and white like he should be. I just didn't realize the uh, Gronk-Brady bromance extended as far as it did, but now you really see it. People love Twitter all the time. I know, but Tom loves Gronk. You know who I really feel for in this situation is no other than Sire Jules Edelman. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I was just about to uh, point that out. Edelman's left. He just He's the guy that just got left behind. All the I mean, talent it's... he carries, he's going to have a uh, catch and pass from Newton. Or, or Stedham. 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 Stud. He hasn't, he hasn't earned that nickname yet. <laughs> he's got the biggest arm out of Auburn. That's not saying much. It is saying something that Patriots have Cam Newton and Stedham now. Both out of Auburn. Both big, fierce. And well, it's still fear. Cam Newton can't hit the broadside of a barn, so I'll be interested to see how he actually pans uh, out. Uh, 
We have, he might he might be a utility player, but I doubt he'll get many reps as a, as the starting quarterback this year. See, I think he's gonna be more of a Tim Tebow is what they wanted to implement with Tim Tebow. He's gonna be. There'll be a specialized package for him. Oh, absolutely. See, but I just don't think he'll be the starter. Would have you ever seen the Patriots run the option except with Jacoby Brissett? And Jacoby Brissett looked good when they uh, planned a game plan around Brissett. And I think I think that was against the Texans. And he looked good. He looked real good. Not passing. But running. But anyway, Nelson, I would like to hear the craziest story you have from working in sports. Well, I appreciate you asking. Uh, A little backstory behind that. You're welcome. I'm fortunate enough to have worked some cool uh, sports jobs in the past. I currently work in sports. But probably the craziest story, I was fortunate enough to have worked the Masters in 2019 when no other than the GOAT himself, uh, Tiger Woods, was able to and was the opportunity to almost lose my job when I went into the grounds and followed Tiger on his majestic run from hole 12 to hole 16. I managed to take a two and a half hour break when I was only supposed to take a half hour break. And I did not have a pleasant time when I left the grounds. But while I was in there, it was just once in a lifetime. That's probably the coolest thing I ever got to experience. Now, it's 100% worth it, you know, to take the risk to get fired in order to see that moment happen. Couldn't oh, agree more with that. I mean, I think any true sports fan in that situation would have done the exact same thing. So it's justified. Depends on how much the job pays. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say, you know, it was just the heat of the moment. I knew I had to be in there. And if I wasn't, I just would have always looked back. So I'm glad I made that decision. And to answer everyone's question, I did not lose my job. So I do have that to go for me. It's a win-win situation. I think Tiger winning the Masters was a great thing for the sport of golf. You know, it really brought the sport back into national attention. And the guy's just a polarizing figure. You can't argue against that. No, you you want to see Tiger succeed, especially after all the hate he got. Absolutely. I mean, he's the reason golf is what it is. I mean, it doesn't matter how you feel about him. You know, some people feel like he's not traditional enough. But at the end of the day, my generation, our generation is loving golf because of what Tiger did. So, of course, you want to see him win. Absolutely. So this week on the Pencil Pusher Hall of Fame, we are going to allow our fan of the week, to make the decision on which backup quarterback will move on to the next round of our bracket. So I'll start out and make my case, my nomination for who I think should move on and should be nominated into the Pencil Pusher Hall of Fame. I'm going to make the argument for none other than Charlie Batch. When you think about backup quarterbacks, this guy has to come to your mind. He had back-to-back winning seasons for the Lions in 1999 and 2000. We're also talking about the Lions, which is a dumpster fire of an organization. So I think any quarterback that can take that franchise and give them a winning season deserves some credit. He also came back. He came off the bench in 1999 to lead them to the playoffs, considering we're talking about the Detroit Lions here. Great accomplishment. He also signed with the Steelers in 2002 and backed them up for 11 seasons. The guy underwent seven different contract negotiations, never lost his job, was always that solid number two. And the times that he came in, he managed to go six and nine. So had a pretty good win-loss record during that time. And he also won two games for the Steelers in 2005, which helped push that team into the playoffs where they ultimately won the Lombardi Trophy. Oh, So I think that's a, I think that's a very strong case for Mr. Charlie Batch to move on to the next round. I'll be interested to see if Cliff can make a more convincing argument. I doubt it, but we'll hear. It's not about convincing with me as a problem. You want to just try and tie all the numbers, bringing it into your your own theory. How else are you going to base an argument? I'll show you, and I'll tell you. Matt Castle is my pick for obvious reasons. Because you're a Patriots fan? No, he is obviously the best backup quarterback, and I'm emphasizing the backup part. Because he when, he when he went to go be a, in a starting job, he sucked. This is about backups, not about how many wins you get as a starter. Backup. Castle okay. came in. Brady gets hurt, tears his ACL. Big Dick Matt Castle comes in, goes eleven and five. Though they do not make the playoffs, succeeded more than anyone could have ever thought. Replacing Brady, still going 
11 and five, very respectable. What, what else do you need to say? You know, he, he goes to uh, Kansas City, sucks, doesn't start. Go, he pretty much, you know, goes around the league, sucks. Comes back to New England as the uh, old faithful backup where he belongs. And that's it. It's simple. Backup QB, pencil pusher Hall of Fame, Matt Castle. So you're basing it Two all- and two go together. So you're basing it all off of one good season that he had. When in fact, I'm not basing off his entire win loss record for his career is 38 and 45, which is what I was saying. I'm not basing this off. Charlie has a much better winning record and as a starting quarterback, not a backup quarterback as a backup quarterback, Charlie Batch went six and nine. And you can make the argument that Matt Castle, when he played for the Patriots had a stacked roster, whereas Batch was somehow able to take a, shitty roster of the lions in 1999 and 2000 and have winning records both seasons all i'm saying star backup that's all we need to know backup so we'll leave this vote to none other than nelson to decide who moves on to the next round of the pencil pusher hall of fame well i'd like to uh begin my argument by pointing out a very obvious fact and that is your obvious lack of experience in the sports industry uh, because the number one rule in working in sports is do not show bias. And there is a, a just heinous amount of nepotism <laughs> in these two picks. Um, so that, with that last hit, week, last week, there was no bias this week. It was completely biased. I will agree with you on that one. So, so overlooking the obvious nepotism here, uh, because I me, am a true nepotism doesn't apply to this pick. You went to college. I thought you would understand that. Nepotism is someone in the family that gets treated special. Oh. Matt Castle and um, Charlie Batch are not family to you or to me or to Mr. Ajo. So please yeah. correct your uh, speech. Thank you. Again, I'm thankful that I am here to defend myself as I view sports teams and players of my sports teams as family because I care that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's obvious that I'm a bigger sports definition. Fan. I, I I will applaud you for that uh that quick thinking. <laughs> that that was very good. You really uh <laughs> you really saved your ass right there. Continue. So so moving on uh, with my selection. Obviously not showing any any bias whatsoever. But the New England Patriots are an absolute backup quarterback fucking powerhouse. So I'm going with Matt Castle. Woo! Um, I'm going to just chalk this one up as a bias pick. Have fun living on the streets. I felt like I made a more cohesive and strong argument, but, you know, sometimes you just can't beat out two Boston dick riders. It's a backup quarterback position. I told you, you have to measure or start using your head to measure the intangibles. As you chose chose the Lightning to win the Cup. I I choose my backup quarterbacks by how good their backup quarterback defining career season was. And I can't remember Charlie Batch's season, but I can remember Matt Cass. I can remember RG3s. I can remember Brian Hoyer. I can remember Fitz Magics, that beautiful, beautiful backup of a quarterback. And Charlie Batch just if doesn't me- have If you're it. measuring it off of one season, I can see why you would make that selection. If you're measuring it off an entire career, then I think Batch is the more logical pick. But I can see I can see your rationing behind the decision. I like to think of my backup quarterback as well. There's always that chance he could do the same thing as that one season. So that is my reasoning, and that is why I choose Matt Castle. Absolutely no bias whatsoever. True sports professional. Very smart. Uh, college degree definitely went did not go to waste. I applaud him for his pick. Well, of course, you're going to say that clip. No one is surprised. <laughs> Moving on to some, some more football talk for this week. We have players opting out. How, do, how are you guys thinking this is going to affect the quality of play on field? That's really my main concern with all this. It's just, is it going to ruin the on-field product? No, there's no shot. These people are, I mean, these guys, even the backups, they're star athletes. They just haven't got to show it yet. There's going to be a lot of guys that step up this season, and that's what's going to be intriguing about it. I'm pumped about it. Let the losers who want to sit out, sit out. I hope they don't get their jobs back. Because, you know, everywhere else, you show up to your job. You don't want to show up to your job, you should be let go. I, I couldn't agree more um, with the fact that it's going to definitely affect the on-field play this season. I mean, I really don't see this being a normal season whatsoever with the amount of players that are sitting out. I think this season's going to have a huge asterisk 
uh, and that asterisk should stand for the, the ability to face adversity because every team is going to face it this season. Players are going to get sick. People are going to sit out. Every team, a hard point, but it's really who is going to be the best of the worst this year. So is there also an asterisk on the fantasy football season this year? I know that might be useful for our friend Nelson here, considering his record. In- I am not letting you use that as an excuse, sir. <laughs> But if you want to, you can. Coming from the guy that came in last place last time we had a league. Define last. Worst record. The very bottom. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, uh, my memory doesn't jog me any details at the moment. So I'm going to go ahead and plead the fifth. So, boys, what are your way too early Super Bowl predictions? I have mine. I'll let whoever wants to take the floor. Go ahead. I'll let the, uh, the guests take the floor first. That is some incredibly well done uh, hosting there by Sir Clifton. You know, of course, Dalton had to uh, float a little eagle. But um, I'm just diplomatic. You know, I'm putting people in their spotlight. That's my job as a leader. As the leader of this podcast, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with the Ravens and I'm going with the 49ers. And I'm going with the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. because. What are you are- smoking? They are my alma mater, the University of South Carolina's professional football franchise. So go Niners. I'm no longer a Patriots fan this year because all our players sat out and using that as an excuse. If you know anything about Nelson, he likes the flip-flop teams. He's what we call a traditional bandwagon fan. (laughs) He said he hasn't been to Boston probably since he was, you know, two or three years old. Yours truly, though. I go up there every year, sit down, have lunch with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Oh, I won't get to meet with Tom Brady this year. Oh, yeah, what restaurant did you go to? Well, we actually uh, just ate at uh, Gillette, but so <laughs> it's not sure. really a restaurant. I'm sure. I guess he had a chef. I don't know the chef's name if that's what you're wanting, but I, w- I would like to know that detail. Yes, uh, I didn't ask, but I know uh, I did get a uh, 40 ounce porterhouse steak with a spare guy as a side with mashed potatoes and maybe six to seven beers. Oh, Boston Lager. I don't even think they make porterhouses in 40-ounce cuts. But that's a great story you have, Cliff. Uh, it's very compelling. They obviously do. If you know anything about meat, then, yeah, you should know that they have 40-ounce porterhouse steaks. You seem to know a lot about meat. Oh, you're damn right I do. I love my meat. <laughs> anyway, my pick for this year, I have Seattle playing the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking Seattle to go all the way this year. I think the Jamal Adams signing is huge for him. Losing Earl Thomas, obviously, they replaced that. I think Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Pete Carroll's a Hall of Fame coach. It's going to be tough in the NFC West this year, but I just think Seattle gets it done. Interesting pick. Uh, My pick, while it will sound biased, is Patriots. I know everyone's going to think. That's absurd. There is no shot. Absolutely absurd. Here's the thing, though. Bill Belichick thrives on adversity this season is going to be nothing but adversity he's going to have to adapt adjust everything and this is what bill does this is why he gets paid the most this is why he's the best head coach in the league this is why he's the best gm in the league because he gets shit done brandon cam Newton, not that thrilled for the well for the signing they have you know not paying him shit great signing i think he'll be a very intriguing uh aspect to the season i think bill is going to get all he can out of him I think uh, Studham still uh, still starts, but we, yeah, I think that offense is going to be a lot more nasty than you think with Damian Harris running, Sony Michelle. They're going to be nasty. Just wait. Who's Stidham going to throw to? If the Patriots Edelton. actually, if the Patriots actually win the Super Bowl this year, I will shit a brick. I'm I holding like, you to that, Dalton. <laughs> I, if it happens, I'll I'll do everything in my power the, to make it. Happen. If there is one season where. Bill Belichick is going to thrive. It's this season. Everyone is counting him out. No one is giving him a shot. Just wait. This is this is what he thrives. This is why he's so good. Bills are winning the AFCs. As a as a fellow New England Patriots observer, I do want to ride with Clifton here because Bill Belichick makes a lot out of nothing. It's what he's known for. It's what he's always done. But as a realist, I know with all the big players that have sat out for the Patriots and the unknowing of what is really going to happen this season. I got to pander a little bit and just pick the Ravens out of the East. I think they're just going to own it. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a little Super Bowl slump. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to get rid of those jitterbugs that he had last year and find his way to the Super Bowl. 
uh, just sucks that Javon Kinlaw and Debo Samuel are going to have to absolutely destroy the Ravens and win the Super Bowl outright. Well, I, I will say I'm done overthinking my picks like I did with the uh, Canadians and Penguins. As even Dalton will admit, I had the Canadians squashing the Penguins. Allegedly. Uh, don't don't even start. <laughs> you, you know I had it. But I don't think the Ravens are going to show up. I don't think Lamar Jackson is who he is or who, is who he was last season. I don't think he's going to show be any anywhere close to that kind of player. I think he was a one and done quarterback. I don't I don't see him being good anymore. I think he's done. I think teams will figure him out and shut him down. Well, only time will tell. So it'll be interesting to see how Joe Burrow performs this year. What are your guys' thoughts? I think that he's in a tough situation, being that he plays for the Bengals. But I would like to see. You know, he's probably been the he's probably the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Peyton Manning. What do you guys think he's going to do this year? I got him getting five wins. He he's on such a shitty team. They have they have a few offensive weapons, but their yeah. offensive line is atrocious. Their coaching, the coaching sucks. They've ne- they've never had a good coach. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be anything special until they start uh, figuring out their. Uh, their management position. Personally, yeah. think I got five I th- wins. I think Zach Taylor is doing a damn fine job for what he had last year in uh, in Cincinnati, and I think you know with the competition that he's going to be facing in the AFC North, I think five wins is still selling him a little bit short because Joe Burrow is an absolute damn stud. They're in the North. That's what be a saying. really tough division this year. Yeah, so that even though they're in the north, I, I really think Joe Burrow and the offense that he has is going to perform very well. I mean, it's an offense-heavy division this year between the Ravens, the Steelers getting Big Ben back, the Bengals, you name it. It's going to be a high-scoring division. Uh, my biggest concern with the Bengals is obviously their defense. I mean, who the hell do they even have on the defense? I can... <laughs> Dude, do they still have Vontae's perfect? No. If he does, no. Yeah, plus that guy gets suspended more than I know. That's why I love him. That guy can hit, though. I hate that guy. (laughs) Absolutely hate that guy. You know, I think Joe Burrow honestly will be better than Baker Mayfield in his rookie season. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to have a solid season overall. I'm worried about their team, their offensive line, their defense. But if anyone will be able to overachieve, I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. So also, this is the last time the NFL will have a 16-game regular season. It's going to be weird. There's no longer going to be those 500 teams. Now you only have winners and losers. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. So similar to Clifton, I love the idea of there being extra football because what's the one thing everybody thinks when football season's over? Damn it, I wish there was more football. So adding a couple more games to the schedule, completely fine by me. I personally wish there were a few more, but again, I don't play football. I play drink beer and watch football. Well said. Well said. Those are actions. You don't play those. Yeah. <laughs> so in college football, I'm intrigued to see whether or not we'll actually have a season and how everything's going to shake out. Right now, we know that the Pac-12 and Big Ten are opting out. The Big 12 confirmed today that they will be playing. The SEC is on the fence. I'm not sure about the ACC off the top of my head. But what are you guys' thoughts on, you know, two of the Power Five conferences opting out? For- well, these players have worked too hard for them to cancel the football season. It's sad. We need football. We need college football. We need we need all we can get, honestly. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I think there should be football, you know. Going to a college where it was a football college made me appreciate the sport a whole lot more, and it made me realize what it really does for the economy around a football team. So to absolutely ravage an economy like they're doing in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is a little bit unfair. I mean, I I get that there weren't going to be fans there, so it was going to be affected regardless, but I feel like there should be something going on, you know, just to give the fans what they need at this time. See, I think that the conference commissioners – should leave it up to each university on whether or not they want to play. The fact that the Big Ten commissioner threatened to kick Nebraska out of the conference if they were to play an entire non-conference schedule this year, to me, is ridiculous. I think they should just leave it up to each university and let the you know, athletic director and everyone else involved decide whether or not they're going to play. That's my personal opinion on it. 100% agree. Yeah. And I think the thing with Nebraska is it was Nebraska's brash outward stance that we don't give a hell what the NCAA or the Big Ten says. 
we're playing football. I think that was part of the reason that they got they received that threat. But I do agree it should be left up to the students, the coaches, and the universities themselves. The students are willing to play. We've seen an outcry of support from them. We've seen an outcry of support from coaches willing to risk themselves to go out there and coach these players. And we've seen some of the universities say, we don't care. We're still going to put it on and we're going to make it safe. I think they should have that option. Yeah. I mean, you have every other pro sports league has started back up. You might lose money in terms of ticket revenue, but the media viewership will make up for it. You're still going to, you know, gain substantial revenue just from media viewership. Why not give it a try? Every other sports league has been successful at it. I'll be really interested to see if Nebraska would actually take it to the extreme and leave the Big Ten Conference in order to play this year. That's something we'll have to see. Well, I'm going to ask a question that no one has been asked. What does this mean for the cheerleaders? Are they going to be on the sideline? Are, is there going to even be cheerleaders? Virtual cheerleaders. No one has brought this up, and you're hearing it first on Calling My Shot. So uh, another first here in Calling My Shots. This will be the first ever app invention idea released on Calling My Shots by none other than the fan of the week, Nelson. I'm going by Nelson. And I do hereby trademark this idea. It's going to be called Only Cheer. It's like Only Fans, uh, but the cheerleaders are just going to do cheers on there. You have to pay a subscription to watch them every month. It's for creepy old men. And I bet you people will pay. <laughs> I like the idea. I think I could. There's probably a market for it, undoubtedly. Oh, there's probably a market. <laughs> You're fucking sick. <laughs> With that being said, I think the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, is planning on playing. Should we just go ahead and replace them with a different Power 5 comp? In my opinion, I think the AAC should it should expand from a Power 5 to Power 6 conference with how good they've been over the recent years. And, I mean, I think we could maybe throw out the Pac-12 for the AAC this year. I'm, I'm all for it. I completely agree. I think they should step in and be the teams that are going to save the playoffs. I mean, I, again, it's all about the longevity of the sport. And I think just taking a season off because one conference cancels and they're the ones that matter, it just shouldn't be like that. So step on up, AAC. I welcome you with open arms. Absolutely the most underrated conference in Division one football. Is it really underrated, though? Yeah. They don't ever make it to the playoffs. They don't ever get enough love. But yet you have teams like UCF, Houston, USF, you name it. I mean, they have perennial top 25 teams every single week. They had more teams ranked in the top 25 last year than the ACC did. I agree. I mean, there's teams like Houston. There's teams like UCF. And, I mean, hell, even SMU last year was an absolute powerhouse. So, why shouldn't they have a chance to eat just like the big dogs in the SEC and the Big 12? I mean, I give them that opportunity. Moving on, clearing the bases this week. The MLB season so far has been very interesting. We've seen teams like the Miami Marlins somehow lead the oh, NLEs. Mammy. That's Mammy. <laughs> yeah, you keep saying that. Mammy. But I think there's been plenty of surprise teams so far. That's what's really stood out to me in a 60-game season. Honestly, everyone has a chance. Correct. Uh, I've, the most surprising thing that's happened to me is how bad the Angels are playing. Only one game back at Houston at the moment. Well, I knew Cliff was going to come talking just, about that. Especially Houston, with it, seven and ten. The Angels are seven and eleven at the time we're recording this. One game back. We got a lot of baseball left. No, I, I, I was just saying. I thought Joe Madden was going to do a little bit more. Yeah, it's taken some time to work his magic. Yeah, magic of losing. <laughs> Hey, Dylan Bundy looks like the best pitcher in baseball right now. The Angels are just starting to get rolling. Time will tell. That is true. What are your thoughts, Mr. Uh, Mr. Nelson? This 60-game format is incredible. I feel similar to Dalton's take last week that the MLB has needed to shorten their season for a while. So I, I like the format quite a bit. And regarding the surprise team of the year, I think it's been the Reds. The Reds, a lot of people, when they got Trevor Bauer last year in that trade, assumed they were going to be pretty good. I didn't think they were going to be good this quick. And they got Freddie Galvis and Eugenio Suarez out there just absolutely lighting the bats up. They got Trevor Bauer on the mound, just being Trevor Bauer. I mean, they're, they're going to be a force out of that NL. And I'm excited to see how the season pans out. Yeah, Bauer's probably the most entertaining MLB player on Twitter, without a doubt. The Reds definitely started off slow, but they really started to hit their stride. They're definitely – the NL Central looks pretty bad this year besides the Cubs, so they have a shot to make the playoffs, especially with the expanded format this year. 
What I want to talk about also is the Miami Marlins being in first place in the National League East. How is this possible? How did they go from an absolute atrocity and the absolute worst franchise in Major League Baseball last year to somehow leading one of the best divisions in baseball? This is actually an easy question. It's, it's a miracle. No, it really is. it's not. It's an easy question. I'll explain to you. These teams that are normally good have superstars, stack lineups, great pitching, all that. Guess what? Those guys didn't work. Those guys said, oh, my job's safe. I don't need to do any extra. Mammy? Mammy's got nobodies. They've got guys pushing themselves every single day, pushing themselves to their puking. That's why they're number one right now. Is their success sustainable? No. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Their only reason that the success is happening is because of COVID. So, Mammy fans, eat it up. Well, maybe all the extra rest that they got from, um, you know, getting impacted by COVID has just helped them get more rejuvenated, and they've just had more time to rest. Maybe that's the secret this year. Well, that's the other thing with, with MLB. What happens if there is another outbreak with Mammy or, like, the Phillies? Because they've already – The team has it twice, you're saying? Yeah, because they've, they're already having to do double headers and, you know, postponing games. I mean, it's a 60-game season. They don't have that much time. Another outbreak, what are they going to do? push it back even further like what is some team's gonna have like a month off or what's gonna happen yeah very interesting it's a good point it's a very good point by yours truly so i think the biggest thing about every great baseball team is their ability to mix old with young and i think that's the case with the mammy Marlins this year as uh sir clifton would refer to them uh i mean bringing in old talent like logan forsyth and matt joyce to mix in in that uh, batting lineup and then just bringing in some pitchers to mix in along like old Pat Benedict. They have a lot of young talent. That's what happens when you're a shit franchise for as long as they were. You do pick up a lot of roster talent that you'll leave in the minors, and it looks like it's finally coming to fruition for the Marlins. So good for them. They're an exciting team to watch. And no one can shit on them this year for not having fans show up. That might be, that might be <laughs> the, real, the real secret this year. Boom, yeah, roasted. Honestly, that could be their secret is, you know, they're used to fans being in their stadium and not cheering. So maybe having no fans there not cheering is all they needed. Yeah. You know, the uh, virtual cheering from the broadcast booth is louder than it is during a normal regular season game. So they're just, they're feeling off of it. What's been entertaining so far is how many Astros brawls we've had. You know, I'm going to shout out again, the 2020 Astros shame tour, hilarious Twitter page. This is just getting very entertaining at this point. I think the number is going to continue. We also saw the Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron suspended for 20 games for charging the field the way that he did. They had it coming to him. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not really surprised. No, by this. They're just not going to take no shit. They're, they're, they won. Deal with it. Whether or not you like it, with an deal with it. With an deal with it. Champions train, losers complain. With an asterisk. It's not with an asterisk. They won. <laughs> That's a asterisk clouded World Series. Sorry. Did stealing signs make them hit the ball? No. It helped them hit the ball. It helped them, but did it make them? It helped. No, it didn't. It gave them an unfair advantage. Questionable. All, all the teams had to do was change up their signals every game. For getting paid millions of dollars, do you think that's really out of the question? Absolutely not. Listen, I think the Astros deserve every single shit brick that's thrown at them from every team. I think Mr. Loriano from the A's the other day put on a damn fine performance when he – you know, almost beat the shit out of a coach of the Astros. That would have been pretty funny. But I also think uh, senior Joe Kelly out there in L.A. put on probably a baseball performance of a lifetime, fat-lipping the Astros dugout, uh, fat-lipping them and walking into his own, just putting the biggest middle finger up in the entire world. I am here for it, and I hope it continues. Well, Joe Kelly learned that from uh, the Red Sox. He don't take no shit. I miss him so much in Boston. I, I think getting rid of Joe Kelly was one of the worst moves we have done, and that's saying a lot because we've been letting go some really good players lately. Especially with how shitty Boston's pitching is this year. Garbage. Ugh. Don't get me started on it. <laughs> I, I will say all this stuff with the Astros has made for a lot of entertainment. It's made baseball probably more entertaining than I've seen it in a long time. To me, that's good for the sport. And I've been enjoying that part of it. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look at the NBA. What does the NBA have? They're a reality TV series. But to their fans, Absolutely. 
to their fans, they eat that shit up. And look at me, I'm an MLB fan, and I'm eating every single bite of this Astros hate up. So I think the game needs more, and I'm here for all of it. So, puck me, we have a lot of upsets galore. Upsets galore. Nelson likes this segment. He can't even contain himself right now. But I just want to say the amount of upsets that we've seen in this first round was absolutely ridiculous. Blackhawks winning? Who saw that? Montreal winning? Who saw that? The number 12 seeds, who in a normal year would have never made the playoffs, somehow managed to beat the five seeds in both conferences pretty handedly. This has just been so unpredictable. It's honestly ridiculous. That's the thing. It's not unpredictable anymore because you look look what's happening with Manny. Yeah. Take take the upset on every single round. If that's basically right. what we have to do going forward. Pretty much. But you, if you look at Miami, you know, you, you're, you got teams that get comfortable. And even in life, it's the worst thing you can do is you get comfortable. Those players were comfortable. Players in the Canadians, they were not comfortable. They were striving. They were working. And they showed it. And Carey Price, he sure did show it. He stood on his damn head the entire series. Like I said, never seen him play like this. He went back to his 2008 form somehow. All that rest must have did him a lot of good. The Penguins were also very unmotivated in this series and honestly I still think Blackhawks upsetting the Oilers is an even bigger storyline because a lot of people a lot of people had the Oilers making it really far this year out of the West (laughs) no nobody no the Canadians upsetting the Penguins is the biggest upset don't try and change the subject as a Penguins fan I am appalled by what happened I'm very butthurt about it I will admit it I fucking hate hockey right now I don't want to talk about it That's the equivalent to the Browns beating the Steelers in the North. It's almost that bad. I will agree. No, it is that bad. Almost. I'm surprised, Dalton, that you haven't taken the opportunity to dish a little bit back here to your co-hosts because the Bruins put on a pretty shit bird performance in that first round. But the first first round doesn't really matter. Not for them. Because it's just for seeding. So we'll see. If they they lose to the Hurricanes, then maybe I can dish it back, but – Right now, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I can't say much. The Penguins got shit on. I just have to embrace it. Well, yeah, I mean, on, on the day on the day this podcast releases, the Bruins will have spoken for themselves after beating the uh, Carolina Hurricanes two days in a row, Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, I'm just going to stand on that molehill. No chance that the Bruins lose tomorrow night because they're not known for doing that whatsoever whenever I bet on them. The Hurricanes, they have a, an outside shot in this series, but I think Boston should be the favorite in it. The Hurricanes surprised me in beating the Rangers. I honestly thought they were going to blow that series. I think we all did. <laughs> but but they didn't. They somehow managed to pull it off. You know, Sebastian Ajo and Tibu Teravainen played great. Pete Mrazek somehow didn't implode in goal, so we'll see what happens. Well, he will this series, but no, I guess the Rangers – he did look good, but he can only sustain that for so long. We have Jonas Corposalo from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He made 85 saves in a five-overtime playoff loss. He set the playoff single-game save record, but still managed to lose the game. The, Com- the Columbus Blue Jackets, to me, are the scrappiest team in the NHL. As much as I hate watching them and as how boring they can be, Tortorello is a hell of a coach. I don't know how they upset Toronto, but they did. I don't know how they upset Tampa Bay last year, but they did. It might be time just to start giving them the respect that they deserve. Seth Jones coming back has helped them a lot. I really just don't know how in the hell they manage. You know, they lose Bobrovsky, but then somehow find a better netminder. It's just, it's crazy to me. It's it's not crazy. It's people doing their job. Tortorella is a hell of a catch. I don't think he gets enough recognition. People doing their jobs. They're getting paid millions of dollars. This is nothing that should be surprising. This is what every. This is what should happen every time. Yeah, it's not surprising to me at all. In an ideal world, yes. I couldn't agree more about Torts being a great coach. I think he's a legend of the game, and I think what he's doing is just no surprise to me. Do you think he's better than Claude Julian? Absolutely. Yeah, I think Claude Julian oh. had a couple of good years in Boston, and, and I mean, having a great year in Montreal it. this year doing what he can with what he has that's kind of what he did in Boston I mean he had a lot of talent when he won a cup but I don't know I, I have to go with Torts in this situation because Torts just runs into burning villages and just puts them out and moves on to the next village that's on fire that's what he's known for also the Islanders beat the Capitals today 
Barry Trotz, just kicking ass and taking names, taking out his old team. The Islanders are another one of those teams, and Trotz is another one of those coaches that shocked the hell out of me. I didn't have them beating the Panthers, but they did, and now they're up one game to nothing on the Capitals, and it looks like it's their series to lose. So even with their boring system of hockey, they still continue to just get results. Do what it takes to win. You have to respect that no matter how they do it, how you do it, as long as you win, because that's what they get paid to. Yeah, I think the Islanders are a tough team out of the East. They're just on such a tear this year. It's unfair. I mean, if they knock the Caps out, no one's going to beat them. I mean, that's that's just going to be the momentum they ride. So, boys, we're going to reset our picks because the first round and the round robin was such a shit show. And we feel like it's fair considering the new format that none of us are used to. So with that being said, in my bracket, I have the Flyers making it out of the East, taking on the Avalanche in the West. And I ultimately am going to stick with my original pick, the Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. I think the Flyers we saw in the round robin series Locking up that number one seed in the East, we saw how talented they are. They're the most balanced team in the East, in my opinion. Borachek, Nolan Patrick, Carter Hart's been standing on his head so far. Ivan Provorov playing great on the defensive side of it. To me, I don't see a team that can beat them in the East in terms of their balance and just having four good lines. And then out of the West, the Avalanche, they've been on an absolute tear. Not surprised by this to me. They have the most stacked roster in the Western Conference, and their goaltending is held up so far. So I'm just going to still roll with the Avalanche and take it. Well, I'm not surprised by your pick. Once again, it measures no intangibles whatsoever. Here's the thing. Nathan McKinnon trains with Crosby. He knows how to win. No, he's a loser. <laughs> Fact. Knows how to win. So I'm not going to second-guess myself. I'm done doing that. My gut is always right. I promise you that, believe you me. The next Stanley Cup champions will be the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I know, you're, you're laughing. Another pick, I will shit a brick if it actually happens. You're laughing. Holding you to that. But Cl- Cliff's full of the hot takes today. Here's the thing, they're, they're the most prepared. They're the team that worked the hardest. They showed it. They beat a good Pittsburgh team. You cannot say that Pittsburgh's not good. They beat a good team. Destroyed them, dismantled them, took a shit on them. What else can you say? They absolutely destroyed them, and they're going to continue that role. Believe you me, Canadians, you're welcome. And, yeah, Canada's going to get a Stanley Cup champion once again. I really hope this happens just because it makes the Penguins' loss look not as bad. I just – I don't see it happening. They do have all the momentum in the world, but I don't see them getting past the Flyers. On this Hard work and dedication, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. I, I'm just going to have to call you a little – crazy for taking the Canadians there, Cliff. I mean, I agree. Close Julianne is a good coach. They got a lot of talent. They got Carey Price still, but it ain't happening. So, Nelson, hockey guy, who do you got taking it all this year? So, after our previous discussion, I had mentioned a team that I am very scared of, and that is New York Islanders. I think they're a team to be reckoned with this year, but at the end of the day, they got to make it over the Capitals first. So I don't see that happening. I think the Capitals are too good. Um, I think out of the East, it's going to be the Baroons and the Lightning uh, playing again for that Stanley Cup trip. I think the Baroons are going to take that and get back where they play the Avalanche after they beat the Dallas Stars. And I think it's going to be, unfortunately, the Colorado Avalanche this year. I I just don't think they're going to get beaten. They're two stack. Kale McCarr. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, you name it, they have it. I think we all unanimously agree that the Avalanche are going to make it out of the West, and they really look like the only contender in that conference. Agree on that, but once again, both of you just seem like you can't measure intangibles. You're damn right they do. When's the last time they won a Stanley Cup? I think 98. (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure it was like 1990. 90? Well, let's get our computer assistant on this. 1993. So I was closer. They have they have a lot of intangibles. You're right about that. Here's the intangibles that I'm measuring. It's the pissed offedness. I think the Avalanche are pissed as hell from last year. I think the Stars feel like they deserve to be there with all they've had to go through. I mean, they lost their coach this season, just like the Blues did last year. Seems like another Disney story in the making. Uh, I think it's 
it's going to be those two coming out. Um, and I really think that the Avalanche are just unbeatable. I mean, as Dalton mentioned, they're just so stacked. Bruins have the best uh, first line of wingers in the entire league, but it's just not enough to match up with the depth that Colorado really has. Yeah, the Bruins lack a little bit of back-end scoring depth. The only way that they – if the Bruins were to make it, the only way they would have a chance in that series is if Rass stands on his absolute head. No, the only chance the Bruins have is if they bring back Claude Julian. And Tim Thomas because we all know <laughs> – We all know that Mr. Tuke is not known for his clutch genes in the playoffs. I mean, that's just a sad fact of life. So speaking of clutch genes, what are the Lightning's – Choking chances this year. I have them very high. I honestly thought they were going to lose yesterday in that five overtime win to the Blue Jackets. But to me, I could see the Blue Jackets winning the series. If they make it out of this round, I, I see them losing the next round. I'm just, I don't trust them whatsoever. Tampa Bay, they, they'll win this round, but next round, no. Absolutely not. I don't have the intention. I still think the Lightning and the Bruins are going to be the two teams out of the East playing. I really think after what I witnessed last night with that five-overtime game, the Lightning, they're a pretty scary team this year to begin with, and it seems like they're riding on a whole lot of anger. I, I think the Lightning are going to make it all the way to the uh, semis. Winning last night was a, a crucial win for them. If they would have lost that, I think they would have been destroyed, and they definitely would have no chance left in the series. Wait, so both of you think that the Lightning would beat the Canadians in a head-to-head, in a head-to-head matchup? Yes. Undoubtedly. I don't think the Canadians are ready to win their first round. I hope we see it. I don't see them getting past the Flyers. I think everyone's overlooking them. If you look at how they played in the round robin, they were one of the hottest teams in the NHL before the season ended. So what will be your excuse when they beat the Flyers? Flyers The Flyers weren't prepared? I will, like I said twice on this podcast already, shit a brick. I cannot wait to watch the host of this great show calling my shots, eat a brick just to know that he will shit it later. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're not going to be able to put a whole brick, you know, full. So we're going to have to put it in like a blender or something, you know, break it up with a hammer, throw it in a blender, maybe throw some, you know, milk, yogurt in there, maybe some fruit, put in a smoothie, and then we'll see the poop. It's got to be a sugar-free brick. Sugar-free. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So it's how I live my life. It's my life motto. What can I say? <laughs> so the New York Rangers win the Alex Laferriere sweepstakes honestly thought it was going to go to the Penguins but as we alluded to earlier on this podcast the guy's going to be an absolute stud probably going to get paired up on that first line it just makes the Rangers a perennial contender for the next decade yeah I agree uh yeah he's the best uh prospect coming out since Austin Matthews I would say yeah or Connor McDavid Austin Matthews is what I said like I alluded to, I think he is going to be a little bit of a choke artist with that first overall pick. I think he's going to have a hell of a lot of pressure, and I just don't think the Rangers are an organization built to make him succeed. Not everyone can be Sidney Crosby. Not everyone can be David Pasternak. Pasternak? He's definitely better than Sid, Sid the Kid. Absolutely not. I would take him over Sid the Kid. Sid I mean, the Kid is now Sid the middle-aged man. <laughs> Pasta hey, is, he was, and he was the only Penguins player in this entire series against the Canadians that actually looked good. So despite his old age, he's still tearing it up. There's no arguing. He's still Sidney Crosby. But, I mean, if you look at what's going to happen, I mean, he's slowing down. Pasta's speeding up. I don't know about that. Crosby's still going to the Hall of Fame and will still retire as a top five player of all time. Can't top, argue with his accolades. Top ten. Top five. Top ten. Top five. Top we can have an entire other debate on this. But transitioning over... Cliff, what's going on in the MMA? UFC 252 coming up. We got Stipe and Cormier, the trilogy. Very exciting. Both fights have been pretty intense. Cormier winning off knockout the first fight. Stipe making a huge comeback after getting destroyed for three rounds. Coming back and knocking uh, DC out. Easy, easy bet if you want to uh, bet on this fight, this next fight. You want to pick Cormier. He already said he's going to wrestle. Guy's an Olympic wrestler. For whatever reason, did not want to wrestle against Stipe in the second fight, even though he should have. Come, oh, he's also going to come in way lighter, way better shape. Have to be stupid to not go with DC on this. For the co-main event, Sugar Sean is finally getting a spot on the spotlight. The UFC is really setting him up. They know... This guy is going to be a, a superstar. 
They've been feeding him easy fights. That's also an easy fight to bet on. Sugar Sean is going to win against Marlon Vera. The UFC is doing the exact same thing they try to do with Ricky Simone, except Ricky Simone failed against Uriah Faber. Sugar Sean, much better UFC name. That usually says a lot about the fight. The, the guy's nasty. The guy's a knockout artist. He, this is his first real test, so we'll see how good he actually is. He's already been trying to talk shit to uh, Cody Nolove, and Cody Nolove would knock his ass out, in my opinion, right now. But we'll see with this next fight. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. He hasn't really been tested, but every single fighter he's fought has looked awful against him because he just looks that good. Time will tell. August 15th, 10 p.m. at the Apex Center. Tune in. Nice. So the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight got pushed back to November 28th, which really sucks. does suck. I was looking forward to that. Iron Mike. <laughs> Coming back. What are your thoughts, Nelson? I think Iron Mike was a little too busy swimming with sharks. I think he's going to have his jaw restructured whenever he does fight. You think Roy Jones is going to beat Iron Mike? I'm just kidding. Uh, we all know how that fight's going to go. Uh, Iron Mike is going to come back and just rock his shit and bite his ear off. It's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a lot of nostalgia. It's going to be great for the sport of boxing, and I'm excited for it. It's going to make so much damn money. Even though they say this fight is for charity, they're making a shit ton of money. Player pay is charity at the end of the day, right? Oh, yeah. Mike Tyson also created a uh, new uh, boxing league, uh, the League of Legends, which acronym LOL, which is pretty funny. <laughs> if you think about it but yeah he's um he's gonna get a lot of the uh, old timers wanting to you know do their one last fight you, if you're in the uh, sports industry and you're a player or a fighter or whatever you you always want that that last that last hit that last match that last fight whatever and he's gonna give it to him uh mike tyson that's genius absolutely genius there's no no better person to run it no better figurehead to be a part of it. Guy's going to cash out on that. I am contrary to Clifton on this pick. I think Mike Tyson is a little bit ridiculous for that. Uh, do you guys think Mike Tyson actually knows what the word insurance means? Because how the hell do you expect a bunch of old men to come in and fight each other and at least one of them not be permanently maimed? Well, here's uh, the thing. The athletic commission has to pass them. It's not up to Mike Tyson. This is the athletic commission. They have to go through all the same thing as regular fighters do. If they don't pass the physical, they can't fight. This is all with the uh, athletic commission. Listen, I don't see it panning out super well. I think it's going to be great for nostalgia, which is something a lot of uh, sports teams and companies are capitalizing on. I can see them making a good bit of money off of it, but I just don't see these fighters putting up good fights. Oh, um, yeah, you're after, you're not going to have knockout battles, you know, with with those fighters. Who doesn't want to see Evander Holyfield fight again? Someone's going to get carted off on a wheelchair. Someone's going to get carted. That still happens in regular fights. Someone's going to get carted in on a wheelchair. <laughs> that's a that's a better way to put it. But anyway, that wraps up this week's episode of Calling My Shots. Thanks, Nelson, for joining as our first ever fan of the week. We'll see you next time for more killer sports content. Yeah, and for all you other listeners out there, if you want to be part of this podcast, all you got to do is comment and say, hey. I want the mic. Winning fan of the week is not going to be an easy attribute. We just felt like we had a very loyal listener who we decided to honor with giving him an entire episode. That's just the type of guys that Cliff and I are. Very generous. So going forward, fan of the week, it might get switched to fan of the month. We'll see. But it's going to be a very hard honor to win, as yeah. it should be. Yeah, it's not going to be uh, no easy thing to pull out. You got to you got to stop at all the corners. You know, you got to put, put your comp- compliments to us. I want to <laughs> hear some brown nosing. I want to hear some kiss-assing. I wanted to say thank you to the lovely hosts of Calling My Shots for allowing me to come on and just overpower them with my sports knowledge. Uh, I hereby accept any other uh, invitations to this here podcast and wanted to say thank you to everyone who agrees that i just won every take today we can run a poll on the call on my shots twitter to see if nelson actually held his own voted on by the fans i will agree yeah only time will tell what's the at of that show at caller shots twitter.com but anyway new episodes coming out every friday stay tuned for more killer content